Okay, guys. Hi. Good morning. Um, it's Chafdal at Kislev. Tonight is Hanukkah. Baruch Hashem. Parak Olive Tanya. What? Oh, are we starting? It's okay. Stay close to me. What? We're starting Parak Olive right now. Oh my God. It's really exciting. Parak Olive Tanya. So, what are we about to do? A little bit of a intro about where we're about to go right now, just so that you have context for it. Paragraph Tanya is going to introduce us to the concept of that we have two souls. Why are we doing that? What is, what is actually going on? This is so awkward. Could you like put it down? <laughs> put it in front of the... Literally, like... Is that in the <laughs> Are there people on it? Oh my god. <laughs> Who did? My no way. No, that's so Hi, Reese. <laughs> it's so crazy how, like, what cameras can do, though, honestly. Like, Oh man, thank you. You know something funny? I was telling Minna this yesterday. You know how like I'm constantly talking about like the parts of us that come up and like how those are the exact spaces that bring Mashiach and like our chutzah and blah blah blah. Like that's what Chassidus is. In the span of this 30 minutes, the amount of negative self-talk that goes through my mind, like it's like all the time because it's just the nature of like standing up and doing something vulnerable. But like every time it happens, I hear this like other voice of like, this is what you're talking about. Like this is where you're bringing Mashiach right now. Like it's so, it becomes this like fun thing. Because, because there I'm literally accessing my chutza, which is like, it's pretty cool. Wow, what a beautiful class to go into Thank you for holding space for that. Okay, Parak Aleph Tanya. We are going to spend chapters one through chapter eight talking about who we are. And by who we are, I don't mean anything other than literally like, it's kind it's going to be almost kind of like the anatomy of our souls. Literally the stuff of which we're made. We're going to be talking about what is the Nefesh Elokis? What is the Nefesh Bahamas? How does it, how do each of them work? Literally, how do they work within themselves? Like what, what does the Nefesh Elokis do? What is it, how does it function? What, how does the Nefesh Bahamas function? Then we're going to spend chapters 9 through chapters 15 talking about how they navigate with each other. And that's when we're going to be talking about what is a tzaddik, what is a rasha, what is a bainani, how these souls navigate in different levels of consciousness. What we're going to see today, actually, is that everything that we've always thought of, tzaddik, bainani, rasha, isn't, hi, Masya, <laughs> isn't as simple as tzaddik, bainani, rasha. It's actually states of consciousness that any given person can attain at any given moment. It's not like he's a tzaddik, he's a rasha, he's a bainani. The levels of Tzaddik, Bainani, Russia are experiences, are, are states of being that is the result of the way your two souls are navigating with each other. That's going to be level um, chapters until 16. Then chapter 16 and 17, we're going to talk about the long, short way of arousing your Nefesh Elokis. Then we're going to talk about the short, long way of arousing your Nefesh Elokis, which is essentially going to be like, the first way is going to be his bonus thought, Tavuna, getting into mindfulness about it. The second way is going to be noticing that you always have it. It's going to be like arousing the self within you that never stops existing. Then, once we have access 
to the ability, once we have the ability to access our godly soul, our self, amidst our Nefesh Bahamas, we're going to start getting into starting chapter 26. Now let's start dealing with our parts. Now let's actually start engaging with our Nefesh Bahamas and kind of become that Bainani that Baltar was saying you actually can be. But to get there, we have, a, we have a journey to get there. It's kind of like the broken chair thing we were talking about for the past, like, month. <laughs> but you can't deal with brokenness from a place of brokenness. You can't deal with separateness from a place of separateness. Separateness, dealing with separateness, is codependence. What's codependence? When I have needs, and I see that you have needs, and now I manipulate your needs to give me what I need. <laughs> That's we do that to ourselves all the time. We see that we have this thing that is a needy part of us and then another needy part of us gets mad at that needy part of us. In very clear language, it would be like you have this part of you that is saying, um, that, that feels a need to you know, do good things in order to feel worthy about yourself. So every day you're making a to-do list and you feel like, right? And then you have this other part of you that's like, oh, that's not a good thing to do because you should be someone who is not relying your worth on what you're doing. Hey, who, who is not relying your worth on what you're doing. So today, um, don't do that and whatever. That wasn't such a good example. But the point is, is that, it, that stuff like that, that never works. Why? Because you're, you're fixing brokenness with more brokenness. It just perpetuates the cycle of animal soul, which we're going to talk about what is animal soul. You haven't talked about it yet. We will talk about it. But animal soul, dealing with animal soul is just more animal soul. It's just more chaos. When we start being able to access our godly soul, start being able to access the voice inside of us that knows, hey, this is animal soul talking, this is godly soul talking. It's the biggest gift that Tawin is going to give us. The ability to say, I have two souls and I can tell the difference. I can tell the difference. I am aware, I have an awareness of when this is my higher self talking, when this is my godly soul talking, when this is my capital S speaking, and when this is a part of me, when this is my animal soul consciousness. I can see the difference. And because I can see the difference, I'm now able to actually, that's going to be the whole beginning, noticing the difference. Then we're going to start to actually learn how to arouse within us, ourself, our godly soul, to what? To be able to actually navigate um, the, the parts of the, the animal soul. And one of the things that I love here is that Thalterabe doesn't tell us now what we're going to end up doing. And why is that so significant? Because if you're coming into this with the perspective of, I'm doing this so that I can fix everything, whatever, it's like you're not, you're not getting it right. It's like we're doing this because we have a divine mission to become who we really are. What's that going to look like? Let's see. Let's see. But we're not in this to like fix a broken bridge. Like we're not, you know, we're like take a breath, take a relax, like... We're in this to discover who we really are, to step into alignment with who we really are. And naturally, the result of that is going to be the fiqh uvavav chala It's going to be this kikarev, this experience of alignment in every single part of us. But that's like the part two of stepping into alignment of who, of who you are. We're not like, nah, let's go. Nah. So it's a very different perspective. Okay. Parak of Tanya. Who are we? So that's our question here. In, in Tanya, we're starting with this um, quote from the Gemara and Nida. I think it's Gemara. I always, I never know which, what's what. Mashbim, I say that our, before our souls descended into this world, we were, we promised, my soul promised, Tahit Sadik, Vial Tahi Rasha. 
And then I notice all my notes that I wrote, and I'm like, I didn't say any of them. <laughs> like, I don't know what I just said for the past five minutes, because I didn't say what I planned to say. <laughs> what? You can say exactly what I wanted to Literally. Literally. See? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, I'm speaking about understanding the difference between animal soul consciousness and godly soul consciousness. And literally, like, this is one of the most vulnerable things that I do in my day. And within this half hour, I have the opportunity in my own head to navigate. So it's just, it's, like, cool to experience my own mind. That's what's happening. It's like I'm experiencing it on a real level as I'm talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that doesn't mean, according to Tanya, that you get to this place where you never feel animal soul consciousness. That's never going to happen, as we're going to understand. Truly integrating Hasidus is being able to be experiencing animal soul consciousness from the perspective of your godly soul. What that looks like, we're going to see. So we, we promised Hashem, or we promised ourselves, we promised each other, I don't know who you promised, Mashbim, say, well, yeah, be a tzaddik and don't be a rasha. And even if the entire world, I want us to all start getting used to Ailam being translated as Helam. Anytime you see the word Ailam, we're talking about Helam. We're talking about a level of reality that is not shouting, God is here. Always. That's always what we mean by Ailam. And even if the entire world, aka, and I'm not going to always translate this, but I'm going to. I want everybody to start understanding it. The entire realm of concealment, the entire realm of separateness consciousness, says to you, Tzadikata, you're a tzadik, you should be in your own eyes like a Russia. What are we saying? Excellent question. You have to understand this. Because it's, we learn in, in Avais, in Perkei Avais, or in, in the Mishnah, which I don't know. I guess the Mishnah is part of, is part of the Mishnah. Not sure. Do not be a Russia in your own eyes. Why not? Because if you do think that you're a Russia, which literally the, the promise that we just gave, and as we know, the promise that we gave is Mashbim and also Saiva. We promised. And also we have the power to do this promise. We were filled, Saiva, satiated, with the ability to fulfill this promise. What's the promise? To be a tzaddik, don't be a rasha. And if everybody tells you to be a tzaddik, that you're a tzaddik, think of yourself like a rasha. So we have to ask a lot of questions about this. But the first question that the Rebbe is asking is, how could you be a yid and think of yourself like a rasha? What's the problem? Why does the Rebbe have a problem with being a yid and thinking of yourself as a rasha? So two reasons. First of all, because if you think of yourself like a rasha, you're going to become sad. And you won't be able to serve God with joy. And Avayda Hashem and Simcha are synonymous. We're going to see that later once we start chapter 26. Animal soul brings atzvahs. And we're going to understand why. But Simcha and Avayda Hashem are synonymous. And if you are sad because you're a rush, you won't be able to serve Hashem. But then what are you going to ask next? I could be a Russia and not be sad. I don't care if I'm a Russia. What did the author say next? And if his heart will not be grieved, if his heart will not be aching and, and sad from the fact that he is experiencing himself like a rasha, it will end up leading to a state of kalas, irreverence, it not experiencing his own emotions, which are the two extremes. It's, it's 
it's blendedness or denial. You're either saying, I'm a Russia and that's so sad. And now that's not going to work out because you can't be sad in order to serve Hashem. But the flip side of it, which is not identifying with the actual emotion that you're feeling, which is if a Yid is experiencing themselves like a Russia, a Yid feels sad. That's the nature of a Jew. That if you feel like you're disconnected from God, you feel sad. And if you're not feeling that, it means that you're numb. That's what the Rebbe is saying here. And, and essentially, the altar is literally letting us know from the outside of Tanya, numbness is never going to be the answer. Denial is never going to be the answer. The answer is never going to be to know that you really are somebody with an animal soul. And that's actually bad. But we'll be happy anyways. Which, if you notice, is often the work of Musar. And the work of, I mean, not to anything bad on Breslov, but... It's like I, I see it in other kinds of chassidists, and maybe it's because I didn't learn them enough. But that's what I see. It's like, it's like even though you have bad inside of you, you can be happy anyways. It's like an even though, do you get what I'm saying? It's like we're circumventing the reality in order to experience the emotional experience that we think we're supposed to have. It's not the answer here. It's not going to be the author of his answer. Like, you're so ugly. I love you anyways. Exactly. Exactly. People say it to me all the time. Chana, that's such a great outfit, but you can pull it off. You <laughs> have so much confidence to wear that. Exactly. I would never wear that, though. People tell me all day. No, but then, like, it's not your style. But then, like, the people, like, they just look so good wearing it. They're like, I hate it, but, like, you can wear it. Like, right. Let's look that style. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so basically, that's not what we're going to be doing here. We're coming to a point of being able to look ourselves in the mirror, see us for actually who we are, and still be in simcha not be in denial and still being in, still be in simcha be completely open hearted to who we actually are in a way of no denial how do we understand this what how do we understand this prom- this promise that we made is it 950 yeah okay go cool, quicker <laughs> <laughs> so much fun gine matinu begemara hey chalukas we have in the gemara five categories of people tzadik batavla you have a tzaddik that has a little bit of ra, rasha v'tayvlay, a rasha that has a little bit of tayv, rasha v'ralay, a rasha that is only ra, u'beinani, and u'beinani. U'pershu b'gemar, a tzaddik v'tayvlay, tzaddik gamar, a tzaddik v'tayvlay is a tzaddik gamar, a tzaddik v'ralay is a tzaddik sh'inagamar. I'm going by this quick because we're going to explain all this. Altair was introducing us to these concepts, not explaining them yet. U'varayim ha'amna parshat v'tayvlay, perish tzaddik v'ralay. And in Raya Mahemna, it explains that at Tzadik Viralai, what's going on in a Tzadik Viralai? You have a Tzadik of Rasha Bairani. What's this distinction of Tzadik Viralai? Shehara Shabai, that the Ra that's inside of him is Kafuf Lataiv. It's subservient to the Taiv inside of him. Now, I could spend time right now explaining what Taiv and Ra is, and I think I'm going to for a second because it's important. And we're going to discuss this a million times throughout Tanya, but what's everybody's first reaction to what's Taivin Ra. Good and bad. Exactly. Pshat, remember how in the Mimer we talked about Pshat and we went forwards and then we found the Chasidis? That once you understand the Chasidis, the Pshat doesn't go away, but you see it more clearly. Very simple example. When a ch- okay, I literally had this experience in a session yesterday with, I had a 13 year old boy yesterday as a client. He comes in, his mom comes in with him, and his mom says, the first thing his mom says is, he, he, she literally starts screaming at him in front of me. I was like, okay, fascinating. Noted, <laughs> no, noted in my therapy brain. 
So then whatever I asked, I asked the boy, I asked the mom if you could, you know, if it's okay with, if he has a session alone. So she steps out. First thing he starts telling me is all of the things that he's done wrong. He got kicked out of two schools. He does every, he got, he a police recently called, got, um, he trespassed in a mall. The police were called, like all these things that he did wrong. I'm, I'm listening, I'm engaging, I'm curious, whatever. Then he stops and he goes, he says to me, but I'm a good kid. But I'm a good kid. As, it was the first thing he said about himself. Everything was like the things that he did. And I, I was just listening. Like I was like, and just engaging with the conference. But I'm a good kid. And like, I was, obviously that taught me more about him than like, you know, anything else. But, and whatever, we, we spoke. It was an amazing session. It was like, I like left like high. It was like one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. But what was going on in his lexicon? To a child, right? What was my initial reaction when he said that? I'm curious why you don't think, why you think that I don't think you're a good kid. Like, why do you think you have to tell me that you're a good kid? Oh, because I did all those bad things. And why does that make you a bad kid? Right? What's the difference between my perception and his perception? I genuinely don't think he's a bad kid. I didn't just say that. I really don't think he's a bad kid. I think he's a a, a kid. And we we ended up talking about this. And I literally said, I'm like, I think you probably had really good reasons for all those things that you did. Right? He's like, yeah, I really did. Like, okay, so where does it come in that you're a bad kid? right? What's the difference between my perception and his perception? To him, good and bad are only, it's the, it's the, it's the kutzer das. It's the shortness of das. Good and bad are the way it looks. There's no peripheral vision. I'm good if I do good. I'm bad if I do bad. I'm good if I this. I'm bad if I that. And that's honestly the way we think of ourselves very often because as we're going to see, our nefesh Bahamas is usually the one directing our brain. And nefesh Bahamas sees things very no peripheral vision. I'm good if this, I'm bad if that. And we have each our own visions of what, we, of what it takes to be good and bad. But what does somebody with godless say? Good and bad are quite relative. Good, good and bad, not relative, but what is actually happening underneath the good and bad? I can't, I'm trying to remember why I had that whole introduction to this, but basically what's, what's actually Taivara? So we... If you're sitting here, you've probably heard this before, but Ra, and I looked it up this morning again to like be sure that I'm not just saying it, but Ra is actually from the root word Ra'ua, which means rickety, unstable, unsure. What is also the root word of Ra? We have to lireacha kamocha, a companion, something outside of me. So what's going on with Ra? Essentially, Ra, Nefesh Bahamas consciousness, consciousness, Ra, Eilam, Zeh, all this whole ca- Sitra Achra, Klipa, all this whole category of things that we look at and we're like on the negative side of reality, the distinction, the distincting factor between that and the tav is separateness versus connectedness. It's, and I can make a whole list right now, but it's impulsive versus from higher self, reactive versus but it's reactive and impulsive from that place. The root of it is from the place of separateness. There's me, and there's you, and there's God, and there's world. Why does that lead to all the havoc in the world? Because me and you aren't, aren't one and the same. And we're going to see at the end of Parak Aleph why that... Wow, there's really no time. We're going to see at the end of Parak Aleph, you know, you know the whole concept of like why we say that like Gaim, right? They can't actually give from a place of selflessness, Right? Why? And I, I, that part always very much bothered me. Like, what, what do you mean? But in essence, what we're saying is that an animal soul 
is always in a state of separateness. Me and you are never really the same. We're always at odds with each other. We're always in some battle against each other because we aren't one. What are we, what is, what are we saying? What is, what, how does the godly soul see things as me, you, God, world, everything? It is, it is only one. The work of Hasidus is stepping into that alignment of tov instead of ra, of connectedness, of unity, of enum avadai, instead of the world is a bunch of fragmented places and I'm a, I'm a fragmented person in a fragmented world. So yes, it's bad. Yes, going back to the pshat, of course it's bad. Meaning what? It's not the ultimate way that things could be. We wish it was different. We, we're working on refining it to a point where it doesn't see itself that way anymore. <laughs> you know, and we're, we see it as also part of the unity. We're getting there. So yeah, it's bad. We don't want it. But is it bad? Is it bad? Or is it a certain way of seeing, is it a certain way of seeing things that isn't completely aligned with true reality? Does it have a good reason for why it's reacting the way that it does? It does. Which is what? It's living from a state of separateness consciousness. So yes, you're going to end up being codependent. Yes, you're going to end up having whatever it is. The animal soul, literally the animal soul is separateness consciousness. Godly soul is connectedness consciousness. One sees things as fragments. One sees everything as fragments. One sees everything as one. Okay. I'm officially, because this is Paragoleth and this is, I'm going to take 10 more minutes to finish this. If anybody would like to head out, do your thing. That's just a shem on Monday. We're going to start at 9.30 and I'm going to really try to keep it to 30 minutes. But, okay. Just, I'm going to float with that. Cool? Okay. Notice what just happened, right? It was my godly soul. I mean, it was, a, it was a whole bunch of me, but it was my choice to say I want to take another 10 minutes. I thought through it in all in, the, in a few seconds of I can handle whatever, you know, whatever, I, I can do this. That experience of I need validation from somebody outside of me to let me know that I'm going to be okay with this, right? Cool? Like that way I just did that. Are, are you guys okay with that? What was that? It was that I am not whole enough because what's the nature of fragmented? An animal soul doesn't see everything as fragments, but then everything as individually, in, I'm enough, but I'm fragmented from everything else. It's not the way it works. Why, why can't that be the way it works? Because by definition, everything is actually one. So if you see yourself as a fragment, <clears throat> you're never going to see yourself as whole. Which is why animal soul consciousness always needs validation from something else. <laughs> but I feel like that was actually not animal. It's so cool. Like you're, you're like aware that like we're, I think it depends why. It depends. What, exactly. It depends what it was coming from in me. If I was genuinely caring that you guys all knew that you could walk away if you need to, no pressure to stay here. Okay, it could be godly soul, but it was coming from a place of, I don't want you guys to think I'm annoying by taking an extra 10 minutes. <laughs> so, by definition, animal soul consciousness. Why? Because it's coming from a place of separateness. You know what the hardest thing is, though? When, like, someone actually, like, your insecurity is a reality. Like, yeah. something, like something, and, like, the reality is, people do find me annoying for doing mm. it. And it's like, I'm feeling a real vibe. Mm. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> like, sure. I don't think you just felt that, but I, I, I don't even know you could combat that. It's, like, it's a great question. Thanks. Starting from 26, uh, starting from chapter 26, we're not only going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about when bad things happen. When bad things happen. When I am actually in a state of 
apathy or anger. It's we're not we're gonna be talking we're not gonna be talking about just like emotional states that happen inside of us, but nothing is actually going on around us. It's like yeah, people are gonna find you annoying sometimes. What does my godly soul feel about that? What does my animal soul feel about that? How do I navigate that? It's not only like an but it is always an internal experience. And that's it leads to literally this parsha of Yaisaf being sold. Like Something happened to him, and yet, from a godly perspective, from a godly soul perspective, he was able to say, what's actually happening? You know? Not, my brothers didn't sell me. They did. This actually did happen. I am the viceroy of Egypt. But in a bigger, larger picture. In a bigger, larger picture. picture. Yes. Or not, but no. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Tzadikim, your tzadikim, your tzadikim, tzadikim. What is a tzaddik? What is the consciousness of tzaddik? Is when their yetzer tov shayftan, the state within themselves of, of connectedness, rules them. What does that mean? They could, we'll see soon what, what that means, but I, wow, that's going to be my favorite quote. Oh my gosh, I keep on saying it. But yetzer tov shayftan is that their yetzer tov, the inclination of connectedness, is their ruler. Rishaim, what is a rasha? Yetzer hara shayftan, that boy. Yeah, in that moment, he may have been bad. But what was going on? His yetzer hara was shaifdan. As he literally explained it, I needed to prove to my school that I'm not a nobody. <laughs> literally, what was going on? His experience of separateness was ruling him, leading to the actions. Bainanim, what is a bainani? Zeh v'zeh shaifdan. They have a yetzer hara, they have a yetzer tov. They have experience of connectedness, they have experience of separateness. And both of them are loud and proud within the bainani's inner world. Amar Rabbah. Rabbah says, Kigain ana bainani. Introducing Rabbah who says, if, if I, for example, I'm a bainani. Amar layabai. Abai says to him, You cannot live, let anybody else live. Why? Because if you're a bainani and you never stop doing taira and never stop doing mitzvahs, what are we? What are we? Why? Because until that point or until this point of Tanya, people considered a bainani as 50-50. You do half mitzvahs, half averis. So if Rabbah is calling himself a banani, what the heck are we? We have to understand everything about what is a banani, what is a tzaddik, what is a rasha. We have to really understand it. Why? Because, again, we're getting to this point where we're going to be able to see ourselves and know who I am, what's my internal world, and be able to own it instead of deny it in a, from a place of simcha. We're also going to understand what Iyav says. You created Tzadikim and you created Rashaim. And yet, and yet, it also says that you didn't decree who's going to be a Tzadik and who's going to be a Rasha. So, what's going on here? We're opening up a lot of questions. We must also understand the essential nature of a Bainani. To be Vadai, because certainly. A bainani is certainly not half merits and half sins. Why? How could Rabbah have said he's a bainani? He couldn't even, he never stopped saying Torah that even the Malachamavis couldn't kill him because he never stopped saying Torah and the Malachamavis can't hurt somebody who's saying Torah. How could he have said that? His, that half his deeds were sinful were, were Averis <coughs> by calling himself a Bainani. V'ayd, not only that, why also can a Bainani not be half and half, half mitzvahs, half Averis? 
Because in the time of doing an Avera, you are called a Rasha Gamar. Why? Based on this whole explanation that we just gave of what a Rasha is, why at the time of doing an Avera, you are called a Rasha? What are you doing at the time of doing an Avera? Exactly. At the time of doing an Avera, you are physically, emotionally, spiritually, in every way, in a state of separateness. You, are, you have entered yourself into a state of separateness. So of course you're called a Russia. By definition, that's what Russia is. The moment you do teshuva, the moment you return to the connectedness, what do you become? A tzaddik. Even if you went on a small transgression, you're termed a If you saw somebody else entering into a state of separateness, you saw somebody else about to do an avir, and you didn't stop him, you're also called a, you're also called a Russia because you're experiencing separateness. It's by definition, Russia is separateness. <coughs> also somebody who can engage in Tyra and doesn't. <coughs> that being so, we must conclude that the Bainani is not guilty even of the sin of Bittal Tyra. Now Bittal Tyra is an interesting thing that the Altara put in here because by definition Bittal Tara doesn't apply to everybody. There's a lot of halachas about Bittal Tara. Even, even for men they don't necessarily have to be learning Tara all the time. It depends on a lot of things Bittal Tara. Women for sure not. Men when they're engaged in business when they're, there's times when they have to be and times when they don't have to be. I thought it was interesting when that Altara put that as the example because separateness doesn't mean that you're always Connected, connectedness consciousness doesn't mean that you're always doing the same thing. It means you're doing your divine mission at that moment. It means you're engaged with who Hashem is asking you to be in that moment. Separateness means that you're separating yourself from who Hashem is aligning you with at that moment. You're separating yourself from your divine posture at that moment. And just to notice that like, so now we're saying, oh, so there's this unity, there's this alignment that we ha- we're trying to be a part of. And then there's the separateness. To notice that like, the alignment isn't like some circle in the middle of life that we have to walk towards and put ourselves inside of. That would be if Tzimtzum Kipshutai. That would be if there were spaces where God wasn't. But Tzimtzum Lo Kipshutai, which is the basis of everything and Chassidus, is that the alignment is where you are. The connectedness is where you are. What we're getting to is a place where I can be in any moment that I'm in and say, I can, find, can, I can be in connectedness here. I can be at Sadiq here. I can be, as we're going to see, a Bainani here, which is, we'll talk about that. But it's not like we go somewhere else to experience this. And this is why Rabba was able to mistake himself for a Bainani. Why? Because a Bainani... And we didn't under- explain why this is so, but so far we're explaining that a Bainani cannot be somebody who is half sins, half aver- half mitzvahs. Therefore, the rabbi was able to say that he's a Bainani because a Bainani, by definition, is somebody who is constantly doing a mitzvah. Otherwise, he is a rasha. So that's why Rabbi was able to say that. Because he essentially was saying, look at, look at what I'm doing. What I'm doing is only connectedness stuff. Now, what Rabbah wasn't addressing was his inner world. 
Rabbah most probably was actually in the state of inner world as a tzaddik. But technically a Benini could look the same as Rabbah because he was always manifesting actions that were reflective of connectedness and not separateness. Okay, that was a ton of information. I give this all bracha, it's Hanukkah tonight. I just think about this one simple point about Hanukkah that literally when we look at a menorah, we're lighting one candle tonight, right? What's going to happen when we look at a menorah, our, our one candle menorah? I, I want to meet a Jew, and I guess there are probably people who say this, but who looks at that one candled menorah and says, you don't have enough candles. You aren't where you're supposed to be, right? The nature of the first night of Hanukkah is that it's the menorah that is meant to have eight spots and one candle and, and two candles lit, the shamash and the candle. We look at that menorah and we say, you're perfect. We don't deny it. We don't say, oh, let me close my eyes and see the other seven candles lit. We see the story as the, one of the rabbis says, to, quote, to, to look at the candles and see the story. You see the story within the one candle being lit within the reality that you're experiencing, you see the simcha, you see the alignment, you see the unity, you see the connectedness. That's how godly soul sees things. Godly soul doesn't need to fill in other things, you know, to find connectedness, to find beauty, to find life, to find love, to find the story that we're being created to exist inside of. Godly soul sees reality and says, here is God, here is Mashiach. And that's literally where we're getting to in Tanya. It's going to be the journey of being able to look, at, look in the mirror and see our exact story, the details of our lives, our inner world, our external world, other people in our lives, everything. And not to deny anything, but to be able to say, I see you clearly and I see Mashiach, <laughs> essentially. So, L'chaim, Mashiach, now, happy Hanukkah, guys. On the recording, it's only 33 minutes, so as I said, we'll start on time. <laughs> next time. But also, I, I bless... No, no, you don't have to, obviously, but if you want to follow the recordings, because I'm not going to, there's no way in heck <laughs> that I'm going to be able to catch up on the rest of Perak Aleph and the whole Perak Bays on Monday. <laughs> on Monday. <laughs> so just so you know, it will be on Spotify. Also, I figured out how to get it on Apple Podcasts yesterday, which was pretty cool. So in-person class, so, going to do like that day's Tanya. That day's Tanya, yeah. yeah. I'll do like a sent, I, I'll, but it's just not possible. Like, so there it is.